Hello and welcome to episode two of Duelist Community Raw. I am me for me, not for you or anyone else. And recognizing that that's all I ever have to be, it's one of the most freeing things that I've ever seen. And I am just letting go of everything that I assumed my life would be for the reasons that I thought it would be that. Because admittedly, the more I let go, the more I just get into the groove of what we're doing here on Dualistic Unity. More importantly, what I mean by that is not the podcasting, it's not the live streaming, it's the engagement, it's the conversation with the community, with the audience who are coming and bringing their questions to us or sharing their victories or sharing their stories with us. It's just, it's changed so much of my life. It has changed so much of how I see the world and myself and everything that we're doing here. And so it's surreal to suddenly find myself almost floating along on a river that I can feel without any concern for where that river might be going. And so I'm really excited to be able to share that with everybody. And these new live streaming episodes are a great way to do that. And we had a lot of engagement in today's live streaming episode. I'm really excited for everybody to listen to this. It's going to be following this very shortly. But we had uh, a comment stream going that now if you comment on any platform that we're live streaming on, the other participants on the other platforms see it as well. And you can uh, you can communicate with our Discord community as well through the same comment thread. So the engagement is right up there and we're really able to talk to people as we're going through these live streams. I really hope you, the listener, can join us as often as possible. Absolutely. These are a lot of fun. We get into a lot of stuff and we appreciate everyone who informs the discussion and is as much of part of the discussion as we are. So without further ado, here is a live stream that is... Dual Community Raw episode two. Enjoy. I don't know yeah. who's joined us yet, but uh, we're just getting started. Glad everyone could be here. Uh, the last episode of Dualistic Unity Raw is online and available for everybody in podcast or video form. If you'd like to join us on uh, Spotify or Apple Music, you can catch it there. Yeah, and it is it is fucking raw. <laughs> oh boy, this is this is gonna be fun. Uh, rocking some boats full of ego it's it's gonna be a fun ride to say the least <laughs> yeah and i just want to say quickly that we're both fully aware that enjoying rocking boats is an egotistical thing we get that we're understanding that it's the ego that's involved in all of this but we don't take it so seriously that we want to cause harm to people when we say rocking boats we mean it in a more of a nudge nudge know what i mean kind of way where you know it might seem a little annoying unless you actually know what we mean. And if you don't know what we mean, you know, I don't really give a shit what you mean, we'd ask you. That's an interesting response. Why don't you give a shit? We have time, let's talk. What I'm saying to you is that our intentions aren't malicious. When we say rocking boats, we really are just trying to engage in conversation that's going to be mutually beneficial for everyone, the audience and, and the person involved in the conversation as well, which is why we love having guests on the show. It's so much fun, but we are going to try and have more guests with vastly differing opinions come onto the show at some point. It'd be nice to, to have the opportunity to chat with people who claim to be channelers or claim to be clairvoyant, for example. That would be a great conversation because it's not to say that they're not, but I would be very, very curious to know whether or not that's just another, another egotistical concept or if it's actually something that they are intuiting, that the, that's something that they're actually experiencing is kind of a flow state and what comes from that. 
Yeah, I don't I don't have as much experience with channelers and things like that as as you do, as Ray does. Um, so I'm really just gonna go into those a lot more curious. Like I wanna learn about what channeling means. Like, what the hell are you really doing there? And so I'm I'm just gonna be genuinely curious in those conversations. Wondering, like, just asking them questions, like, where, where do you think it comes from? And try and dig into how clearly they see this stuff. And then it'll probably come full circle as the, okay, so you, if they do see it pretty clearly, why are you holding on to all this identity and all these labels and all of this sort of thing? And and I can imagine a lot of them, resp their responses typically are, Something like, well, that's you know, I'm existing in the world, gotta pay my pay my bills, and then the conversation will likely further into potentially the harm and the destruction that comes with holding on to that idea that you can't find it within yourself. That that those things that you're searching for need to be found through other entities, and just pushing the egotistical, identity based illusion of division at the end of the day is, is really what's happening. And it, it's fascinating, the fine line and the razor's edge between recognizing it and recognizing the harm that comes with it versus not like being able to recognize unity and, and the lack of division, but then going back into pushing this egotistical mindset and device and taking part in divisive behavior. Like, how do you not see the harm that's doing if you're able to recognize it and if you don't see the harm then do you really recognize it yeah exactly well that's the whole point like are you just saying you're against these things or do you actually see the point right are, are you saying that don't do that because it's against the law or don't do that because there's a reason it's against the law which is that you're causing harm right is it from self-awareness or are you just trying to be righteous right and i just want to take a quick moment here because we can do this now somebody just said this is jesus and you're no longer forgiven and i just wanted to say i wasn't asking and secondly mary mary just said hello andrew and ray it's great to have you with us mary as you can tell we are firmly in the live stream and the live streaming group I'm still learning how to use the human word noises of course but uh this is our new routine this is what we're doing full time it's great that you could be here thank you Yes, Mary, welcome. Long time no chat. It's uh, great to see you here. Um, yeah, this is where we're at right now. Having a lot of fun with it. Uh, a lot of fun. I was talking to a couple people, uh, texting, DMing, uh, whatever, just asking how things are going uh, with after quitting my job. And I haven't felt uh, a twang of fear or worry or nervousness in any way shape or form about this pretty big jump into quitting our jobs and doing this full time it's like it was such a seamless transition into it's almost like for so long for the last year and year and a quarter we've been almost like suppressing this coming out like and by this i just mean being able to do this all the time talking about the things we want to talk about without so much uh so much of a filter i guess um and so i haven't even thought for a second about my old job or afraid of the lack of you know lack of security but at the same time 
people will talk about this who leave corporate America and go into doing their own thing, being entrepreneurial, that, you know, yes, you're leaving that sense of security of like getting a paycheck every two weeks, but it's not actual security. Like this to me seems way more secure. Like we're, everything we do is for it. And obviously we're just starting. So things are beginning to pick up in a sense, but we're able to control in a, in a way, at least our output and what we're putting into it and the energy that we're giving into this that before was very much hindered by the energy that we had to put into the other things. So we we're only able to put, you know, 30, 40, 50% of our energy into this, sometimes a lot more if I was just like, fuck it with my job, I'm not paying attention today. But it's it's been very interesting to finally be in it and see just how much more mental and physical energy that I have for this, being able to wake up every day and think like, this is this is work right now. This is my meeting that I'm signing into is jumping on this and chatting about shit I love chatting about in my free time all the time. And it's like just a video camera and a microphone in front of me. But this is what I'm doing in my free time anyway with whoever will listen. So now here we are talking about it at work. <laughs> and it's awesome. Yeah, because it's everything we want to do. And and what's funny about that is there's no real egotistical want in there. It's just a fun conversation. And we see how much of an impact it has because people who are interested in the conversation do something with it in their lives. And that's why it's so rewarding. It's so much, it's so much more rewarding to me than life coaching was because with life coaching, there's a certain degree of connection that happens between you and, and the client, which is fine to some degree, but often that connection ends up being codependent. They're coming to you because of the role that you have as a life coach. And I know therapists who go through the same thing, that they are perceived in a certain way. We talked about this on today's episode uh, of Dualistic Unity Movie Review, where we were talking about what about Bob and his perception of Dr. Leo Marvin. That episode will be released this week, by the way. We have a movie review series now, just saying. Um, but in that life coaching role, it's difficult to equalize the relationship. It's difficult to break down that barrier because you're actually calling yourself something. That kind of implies that barrier is there and it sucks for that reason, which is why I really enjoyed the retreat where everybody kind of arrived with this idea of us. And within a day or two, that idea was gone, which is what made everybody get along was the fact that, oh, oh, this is a new, nobody knows what the hell this is. We're all just figuring this out, right? Nobody's in charge. Nobody is, you know, running the show. And that was what made it so organic. But the same is true for our podcast. The podcast informs us as much as we're informing the podcast by any means. We, we go through the comments, we go through the Discord, we go through the chat, we get messages from people. They all inspire us because there are things we don't know, lots of them, lots of things and lots of considerations that we haven't gone through yet. I mean, we just had an, uh, an insight the other day about intrusive thoughts that I'm still chewing on. And there's so much more left to even see, but we wouldn't get there. We wouldn't see it if not for you, the audience, the listener, and the people participating in this community. And by participating, I mean making shit work in your life, going through the hard stuff, finding a gem, 
or finding a pearl and all that horseshit as it were and and making it valuable to you because that's what you have to work with that's all this is about if i can do that for the rest of my life and never worry about thinking about money or bills or anything else because i don't need anything i as everybody knows from watching the show i have a very select uh, i have a very select group of t-shirts that I wear pretty much all the time <laughs> until they, they wear thin enough that I can't wear them anymore because I don't give a shit. None of those worldly things have any appeal to me. I don't want a new car. I don't even drive, right? I don't want a giant massive mansion. To me, that just seems superfluous and, and, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you going to do with all that space? It seems like a waste when you could be helping someone else or, or just being outside in a yard. Makes more sense to me. So, I don't have any desire to be rich and famous. Nobody, like none of us want to be Andrew Tate, right? That is the funniest part about this is that there's no desire to be anything like Andrew Tate or any one of those people who's like, look at me and how rich I am. And oh, I've got fucking 15 cars and that makes me better. And it doesn't, it doesn't at all. It's laughable. It's just fucking laughable that you think it does. Like that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Anybody who is interested in you because you own 15 cars is the kind of person who's superficial enough to only talk about cars. That's fucking boring. And I don't want any part of it. I want something deep and rich and fulfilling for everyone because then we all benefit and that's what this is all about i just went on a bit of, an, of a rant there no i i love it yeah it's it's so funny looking at that side of identity and egotism and and everything that comes with that desire to be something for everyone else for everyone to look at you in a certain way that you hope that they'll see you in a way that they're like oh that that guy is so cool. He has so much and I want to be him. And, and really it makes me wonder, cause it's almost in a sense, people who follow Andrew Tate, like, is it not all rooted in jealousy? Like all of the people who follow him to get to where he's at, it's, it's like rooted in a sense of jealousy in, in a sense of like, I want what he has. So the core of it, is jealousy as opposed to being able to recognize within themselves what's potentially available. They just want to fit this idea of someone else who's who's doing it, who's so insecure that they need all of these things for you to validate them. Like it's it's really fascinating. And when people buy like, you know, the, all the name brand stuff and all the things that they think make them worthwhile, as we were talking about yesterday, like all they're doing is buying an idea, spending more money on an idea to build the already fictitious idea of themselves because they think it impacts it. And like we're we're just caught up living based on ideas and illusions and and thinking that it's real and thinking that it's the truth. And it's it's so just so fascinating. And when people value other people based on that, and then they want all of those things to build up that sense of value within themselves. Like, I don't, do, do you really want those types of people to look up to you and like for you to look up to? Like, is that the type of person that you want to hang around that you can't be yourself around because they can't be themselves and they need all of these things in order for you to look at them in a certain way? And any time that you hold on to a bunch of different shit in order to show 
how much you're worth and how valuable you are, which includes money. Like, is that not just the most insecure way of existing you can possibly imagine? Like being secure is secure within yourself as you are without needing extra external things to validate that idea of yourself and be seen as more valuable. So anytime you're doing that, literally the definition of insecure, when you need all of those things to secure you because you think they are. But yeah, and going back to the uh, podcast informing us and, and us informing the podcast, like it, it's really the symbolism there has been really cool because that's constantly the case. Like just no differently than us impacting our environment, our environment impacting us, the podcast being the environment, us being us. And, you know, when you recognize that more and more clearly, those lines between the two begin to blur. They get way more blurry until you recognize that, you know, whether it's the environment or the podcast or whatever, like you are the podcast, the podcast is you, you as the listener are the podcast, no differently than we are the podcast and the podcast is us and the podcast is you. And so when Ray says going out and and doing things and, and being a part of the podcast, like we don't even mean specifically listening to the podcast or being on Discord or being on Patreon. Like we think of the podcast as a, a mentality, like dualistic unity mentality, recognizing unity in the face of an illusion of duality and being able to exist within this illusion, but not take it so seriously so you can be free and be yourself for the same thing. And be relaxed and be open and be vulnerable and be honest and be, you know, find that sense of security within yourself and not need all of those other things in order to feel secure, which is the definition of insecurity. So, yeah, you are dual security and never forget that. Damn right. Damn right. Well said. Um, since we are live now, and this is Andrew Tate's domain, um, I thought. I'd like to address something quickly because we're talking about identity. We're talking about ego. We're talking about how, how fragile that is. And Andrew Tate will often say, oh, I've, I've, I've escaped the matrix. Look at all my cars, <laughs> which always makes me laugh. But it's not that he's a bad person. And this is, a, this is something I'd like to say straight up. I don't judge him for being a bad person. I don't judge him for his views or anything else. I recognize where they come from and that they have certain consequences for everybody involved with him and him. Absolutely. But to judge him for that would be nonsensical. It wouldn't do anything. It's what everybody else is doing in the face of him. Oh my God, you're, you're threatening everything I'm about. He doesn't, he doesn't threaten anything that we're about. But it's important to recognize that there are consequences to the way that he looks at things. Like he will say, I'm not chauvinistic, right? Or, or I'm, I'm not a misogynist. And he'll just say, I just think that a man and a woman have certain roles in a relationship that they are supposed to live by. And that I'm supposed to be looked at in a certain way by my partner. And they are supposed to act a certain way where I'm taking care of them. And so the whole thing is ego-based. It's all based on him having a certain role that's set, that defines his value and defines who he is. So he never, ever has to question that. And he knows who his partner is going to be because they have a certain role and they have a certain perception of him that they're supposed to have. And if ever they question that, and that's, that's the danger right there. Because at first you're like, oh, that sounds lovely. He's just willing to protect the woman, like the men of old, you know, that kind of thing. But he will, say, he will say straight up, 
The man owns his wife. And the danger there is, so long as you're abiding by his perception of how, you're, how you are supposed to act and how you're supposed to perceive him, as long as you're living within that role without question, you're good. Guaranteed, he'll lavish you with gifts. All the egotistical shit that you want just to keep you happy so you don't change. As soon as you change, though, as soon as you start to poke outside that role, you start to ask questions that he's not comfortable with, or you, God forbid, change your perception of him as a man, as a provider, as having the value that comes from that identity, you watch that anger come. You watch that reaction. You watch how threatened he becomes because you're shaking his whole foundation. You're shaking his whole world of what makes him valuable and makes this relationship solid. And this is what's going to work into the future. Despite the fact it never does. The relationship he's talking about never, ever ends up with two people being happy and respecting one another because there's nothing to respect. You're just living within a little box, hoping to get through it until death. So that's the danger. It's not necessarily that He's a toxic individual deliberately. He just has a perception that is rooted in his own insecurity. It's rooted in his need to feel secure and valuable and have a set role that everybody looks to and has a certain perception of, basically respect. That's desperation. That's not strength. And I just wanted to mention this quickly because it's come up and I know he has hordes of little followers and most of them are mid-teens so they don't really understand that they're looking at him through the lens of ego development they don't understand they are still trying to feel valuable by comparing themselves to assumptions of other people not recognizing they're just assumptions and you can't measure your value but they don't know that and so they look to him they see all the shit he's got and they go yeah that is that's going to make me valuable i want to be like him and he is taking advantage of it. I was listening to a creator the other day that basically was one of the first people who challenged him on his little live stream and kick, because apparently what he likes to do is go on to these little live streams, but with other younger people who are playing Fortnite and shit. So basically he's targeting teenagers. He's targeting younger egotistical people and he's dangling all these fucking baubles in front of them and saying, look at me, you want to be like me, don't you? Just so he can sell Hustlers University, right? So it's marketing. And he knows it, but he'll actually say, oh, no, you know, I, I'm doing what's right for these, these young men. You know, they're going to be free. They're going to work for themselves. They're going to be just like me. It's like, fuck you, man. You had an entirely different path. And you know you had an entirely different path. You're offering a silver bullet that doesn't work for anyone except you. And that's just the fact, right? But again, it, you can't have that conversation with him because he's just going to lose his shit and start defending himself, right? Spinning you know hypotheticals that don't actually exist that make him look better and better and better he's very much like trump that way yeah and how fragile is someone who acts like that who needs all of those preset rules and requirements for someone to act in a certain way they they need to follow their own their rules themselves to act in a certain way and that's literally the definition of fragility and and he talks about people being so fragile and, you know, they get offended so easily. Meanwhile, he's holding on to all of these beliefs and concepts and rules and ideas about the way men should be and the way women should be. And it's, it's just the way they should be. And like, that's the antithesis of freedom right there. That is the opposite of freedom is holding on to all these tenets and rules and ways that you have to live. And all that he's ever doing, all that he was ever doing on social media is saying whack shit to try and validate his own point of view 
And people who are very egotistical hold on to that. And they're like, oh, yeah, that that makes me a, a better man if I hold on to this and, and follow this and, and do all of this. And it's like all he's trying to do is validate himself. And so he literally probably created Hustlers University to validate himself and his idea of himself and everything that he holds on to because he needs to because he isn't free because he's lost in illusions, because he's lost in all of these things that he has to hold on to. And so, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And I wonder how I haven't, you know, obviously I haven't seen much of him since he was wiped off the face of the internet. Um, but I, I've heard that he's kind of shifted his point of view. And and so I guess that brings me to something else that I've I've wanted to talk about and we've talked about a little bit is censorship. And that whole thing, because we we've talked about censorship a little bit, but there's more and more coming up and coming out regarding, you know, Kanye getting censored on Twitter, just regarding censorship in general, like it had gotten out of control with the old Twitter agenda that there was a ton of people who were wiped off the face of Twitter because they didn't agree with, you know, the current narrative that people were trying to follow. And so I'm curious your thoughts when it comes to censorship and just like where you're at with it. I know we've talked about it before and I'm very much on the side of like anti-censorship, but at what point is it valid, I guess, and, and to what degree? And are there certain types of situations that it is valid? I know we've talked in the past about how it never is because things should be able to be openly express and someone who's a piece of shit or like a racist bigot piece of garbage should be able to say all of those things and then the market respond to all of that and be able to refute their points and actually learn something because when we just straight up cancel people for the sake we don't actually learn anything and we don't actually progress we just push it under the rug and patch it up like a you know sinking ship we're patching up the holes thinking that that's going to solve it but anyway Ray, curious your thoughts. I just wanted to caveat quickly on the racist piece of shit comment. It's not that you're a piece of shit. It's that you don't understand how lost you are. Just wanted to say that. There are things you don't know that you don't know. No judgment. You can learn if you're willing. That's all. Just wanted to add that quickly. Um, back to your point, I think that I think it largely, it largely depends on the system that we're a part of. So what I mean is that we're a part of a capitalistic system where companies are actually considered to be people legally. So if people have free rights, then so do companies, um, or, or if they have rights, then so do companies. So the company itself, having created the platform, has every right to kick you off of it, because it's their platform. And that's the nature of our system. And they're absolutely right. They're right. If I made a platform and some asshole went on there and started saying a bunch of shit that was trying to, you know, undermine the point of the platform, I'd be tempted to kick his ass off for sure. For sure I would. But the problem is, is that that's based on me and my ego and, and my vulnerabilities and my insecurities and what I think is right or wrong. And there's the danger, right? Because what if I'm just insecure? What if I'm just trying to validate myself? Now I'm literally filtering everybody's information through my lens. And that's dangerous, right? But again, it's the product of a system where corporations are considered to be people, right? Because if they weren't, then the filtering or, or the censorship, censorship process would be more democratic. Let's just say it wasn't Twitter, okay? that it was in fact a social network with all of the functions of Twitter, but not called Twitter and not owned 
in a corporate structure with the CEO and a board and so on and so forth. So the actual social network would be run by us, by the system, by it'd be, you know, um, kind of like running on uh, the blockchain, decentralized, right? So how would you censor people? Well, you'd have to have a vote of all the people involved on that network, right? So then it wouldn't be up to one administrative branch. It would be up to everybody who's a participant on the network. That might be more representative of what's of what people are willing to deal with. You know, in, in, in that kind of environment, if you had an uprising of a neo-Nazi sentiment and the, and the entire group went, whoa, whoa, we don't, wanna, we don't want this here. Well, then you'd be hard to make, them, make the argument that you're censoring them because it is, you know, by the majority of the people running that system. So they're, they're saying like, this is, this is not the right tone, kind of like taking a, a dump in the middle of a living room floor. It's like, this is not the appropriate place. Right. And it's true. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing that you, that's really so bad about that, because you're not saying you can't speak. You're saying this isn't the appropriate place, but you're doing so in a democratic way where it's the representation of the people in that place, as opposed to you from on high deciding what can and cannot happen. And so I think that 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 changes things considerably. Um, that all said, I, I do think that we should be giving pe people a chance to not just say whatever egotistical shit they want to say, but to be countered. I really think that that should be a, a part of what we're doing in terms of, of our public forum or, or our public discussion. Like it's so often the case that you'll have somebody who's egotistical and we'll go, ah, we got to shut that guy up. And then the only person talking to him are other egotistical people. So that, that, that small cell starts to grow, right? And nobody's addressing it anymore because it's growing in the shadows because now we're not, talking to it. We're no longer allowing it into the public discourse. And so there's a danger there. there. There really is. I think that those things are best brought into the light and addressed publicly. But to do that, we have to have a hell of a lot more courage than we currently do. Like we are fragile as fuck right now. And I, and I mean that sincerely. Like we're so threatened by people of opposing viewpoints, like an argument is somehow going to kill us. Right. And, th and that's the problem is that we've lacked, we lack the capacity for proper argumentation, largely, because we lack clarity in ourselves. And so whenever we get into an argument, especially a political argument, it's all based on ego. It's all based on what validates me. It's not actually based on the platform or on the logic behind it or on, or, or on any degree of planning. It's all based on these short-term promises that make me feel awesome. Yeah, I'll follow you right now. That that's got to change. Like we, we really do have to realize that we're not so easily threatened by opposing viewpoints and people who don't agree with how we see ourselves, but we can't get there so long as we still think how we see ourselves is the seat of our value. Absolutely. And it's funny that point you bring up about we've gotten to a point where we think an argument is going to kill us. And because we are existing in these illusions and in these ideas of ourselves, arguments can kill the idea of ourself to a degree. Sorry, my my dog's going berserk right now over here. I don't know if he can, she's like scratching the carpet a bunch. Um, she'll she'll quiet down. But yeah, it's so it's it's funny because it's very reflective of our societal mentality right now. This this fear of and and how fragile we are because the idea that we believe that we are is so fragile. It is so malleable. It is so easily able to be impacted 
by words, by thoughts, by ideas. Someone can say one little thing and no, it's not going to harm you. It's not going to impact you. But we've gotten to a point where it's like sticks and the saying sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like words are starting to hurt people so much because we're existing in ideas and illusions and all of those things. And when uh, I like your point about um, the vote for everyone to be able to have a have a say and a vote in what happens on these platforms and unlikely to happen on our, our current platforms. But again, you never know. Um, but that would make a lot more sense than just a couple people because you're able to actually garner a response from the group. And so often people will talk about the silent minority versus or the silent majority versus the loud and obnoxious minority on, on certain topics. Like we hear and and with cancel culture, it's like it's not that most people want cancel culture to happen. It's just that the people who do want it to happen are by far the loudest and they're the ones screaming about it. And the people who are like, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense or that's kind of crazy to do stuff like that. They aren't speaking up as much because. I don't know. A lot of times they're just doing other things, focusing on their lives as opposed to, you know, focusing on every everyone and everything else. And so if we were able to vote on things, I think there would be a lot more of an understanding of the collective mentality, because as much as we talk about the collective mentality being very, very egotistical, I think a lot of what we hear about in the news and etc. It's like just publicly is a minority of people who are very, very, very caught up in identity and very caught up in ego. And they're the ones yelling the loudest. And so if we were to be able to shift to to hear what everyone would actually want, I think there would be a lot more reasonability because it's similar to when you go to a restaurant and you want to leave reviews. It's It's much less likely that you get people leaving positive reviews when they have a positive experience. It's it's more likely when someone has a negative experience, then they're going to go leave a review. And that negativity or, or feelings in that way are, are much more easily voiced and much more aptly voiced in any situation. So I think as a society, we're experiencing a lot of that with people who are, you know, feel a certain way versus those who may not agree with it, but just aren't going to take the time to speak out and do it. But I think we're also getting to a point where people are starting to realize like, oh shit, there's a, there's a lot of fucked up stuff going on. Maybe, maybe everyone should start talking a little bit more. And that's really all we're doing here is that, you know, this collective mentality of believing that we are what we think we are and this illusion of division believed to be the truth. Like that's all we're talking about now. It's, it's us just talking about this, not necessarily trying to change the world from from the outside but change it from within change ourselves have this conversation as often as we can which is big reason why we've quit our jobs so we can just continue talking about it more and more get in front of more and more people to share this mentality and let them know that there are other options out there you don't have to keep holding on to what you've always known what everyone else is doing like there's another way to live because how many people are really free out there even the ones who think they are the ones who think they've escaped the fucking matrix are more deeply rooted in that fucking matrix than most other people nicely said absolutely uh amanda had left a comment here 
that uh, we do unofficially vote with our attention, more followers, greater audience. I think ideally that would be absolutely the case, but that's not what happened with Tate. What happened with Tate was that he was getting a lot of followers and it freaked out a bunch of people and they deplatformed him. Whereas had that played out naturally, I, I think that he would have continued to amass followers to a point and the, the attention that he would have had as a result would have kicked into more opportunities for dialogue or at the very least more criticism more skepticism more of an eye on him i think that deplatforming him deplatforming him without giving us the opportunity to really get a good look at what he was trying to grow unfortunately just means it's going to pop up again right possibly in a different form because admittedly it was just it, it was almost the same crowd that that would vote for trump like it's almost in the same mentality behind tate except Surprisingly, Tate is actually less abrasive than Trump. Yeah, it is. It's just interesting that, I don't know, with with cancel culture specifically, like how little we're willing to look into the big picture with most things in general. And I wonder if that's that's just like a product or a attribute of an egotistical mentality is not being willing to look at the potential impacts of things longer term or further into the future, the impacts of things. And I guess it, it's dependent. I don't think it's necessarily fixated to just short-term thinking necessarily, but it is less expansive, I think. I think that maybe is what it is because it's so focused on or, or through the idea of you. And, and that division that you perceive between yourself and and the rest of reality. So, yeah, I guess I guess it's not also always long term thing, but at the same time, like I don't know, it, it kind of is. Like we don't really think too far into the future of the actual impacts of it, because for cancel culture, for example, we don't recognize that this is going to pop up again. Like covering things up, pushing it under the rug, doesn't actually fix anything. So I guess that's it, is that egotistical mentalities don't want to look at the root of something because that that illusion is is the root of our suffering. That idea is the root. So it couldn't look at the root because it is the root. <laughs> and so I guess that, that makes sense. So it always needs to look at the external and the short-term response and the things that are going to, you know, be able to be utilized as a Band-Aid as opposed to as a potential cure. And it's just not willing to look at the more maybe difficult reality of what actually needs to be done as opposed to just, you know, canceling someone, just making this person feel good. And that's the other thing is the feeling better versus getting better mentality. The ego is always just trying to feel better. Oh, we just canceled this person. I don't have to feel bad about, you know, what they're saying anymore. But are we actually getting better as a whole? We don't recognize that that is us, that we're canceling also. And so pushing them under the rug and not actually having a conversation isn't allowing us to get better. It's just allowing those who cancel them to feel better temporarily, but it's not actually solving anything. Oh, it's largely like uh, letting an insecurity just kind of sit in the back of your head. Not if you're not dealing with it, you're just covering it up, distracting yourself from it, trying to make it go away. And then all of a sudden, here it comes again, and it has friends because it's had time to actually build more insecurity around it. And that's it. Somebody was saying here that deplatforming 
is a free market response. Yeah, in a capitalistic, egotistical free market, which means that, here's a good example. In this economy, which is largely based on you thinking that you lack something, so you'll buy more stuff and drive the economy, Jesus would be deplatformed. Right? And you have to remember that. It's not just the people with the toxic messages that are a threat to this system. If we're deplatforming people based on the free market response, then we're deplatforming them based on how well they're helping the buying cycle, which is terrifying if you think about it. If that's what's dictating whether or not people have a voice, whether or not they're able to sell ads on a platform, that's a problem. And that's very much my point. You say it's a free market response, but it's not. It's very much the response of the CEOs of those companies, which are not representative of the people who use those products. So you, you say free market, but that's not democracy. We don't actually have a free market and we haven't for a long time. If that were the case, you wouldn't have heard the expression too big to fail. Right? We don't have a free market. We subsidize. We subsidize the economy all the time, all the time. And it's based on what we want and what we don't want, what drives the economy and what doesn't. So that argument that the market should dictate who gets to talk is unfortunately, it doesn't make any sense because then you're always going to have a conversation that is geared towards what drives the market and not necessarily what's best for humanity. And I understand there's a certain degree of people who think that whatever drives the market is the best for humanity, but we lived a long time in peace without ever having dollars because they weren't always around. So I think quality of life is largely more important. And I think that if we're going to deplatform people, that it should be the result of the community that's deplatforming them and not some CEO at the top who's trying to make sure that he gets his million dollar golden parachute. Yeah, to think that deplatforming is a free market response is it's like the opposite of a free market response, deplatforming is literally based on someone's limited preference about how they think something should be. It's thinking that your subjective opinion about something, it's its like good and bad, you know? Is good and bad objective? No, of course not. Like for literally anyone. So to think that you could base a decision off of someone thinking someone is good, someone is bad, and one person, it's like, a free market is the market deciding. A couple of people deciding at the top is not the fucking market. Like market is the whole thing. <laughs> and and for free market, it has to be the the response that is garnered from it. Like a free market response would be like people and this that part's interesting, I think. And I did want to talk about this more because the free market response would obviously I guess if there were a vote, it could be a free market response, but eventually the free market plays out itself based on the collective decision-making. So say, for example, you know, someone's super racist in a small town and they own a pizza parlor and they don't let people who look a certain way eat pizza there. Free market response would be people stop going to that pizza parlor Eventually, they can't support it anymore. They shut down. They're out of business. That's free market response to it. And I'm curious in this situation with social media, with someone like Andrew Tate, obviously, the, the pizza parlor example is much more 
in much more of a vacuum, I guess. It's a, it's a much smaller sample size. So with someone like Andrew Tate, I think people aren't able to see the free market response to that because we don't have we don't give it enough time to play out in a sense. Like I think a free market response to Andrew Tate may take years, if not decades. But the benefit of allowing that to play out, obviously it's super fucking toxic and and there are significant repercussions to a mentality like that just flowing through the universe for an extended period of time. But at the same time, if it is an actual free market response over the course of, say, 10 years, that eventually people just recognize the hostility and and the consequences of that type of mentality, that mentality begins to get worked through and begins to actually go away as opposed to just getting swept under the rug. But I think people with this mentality, the short-term thinking, aren't willing to give it enough time. Also, because they don't recognize that they're God. They don't recognize that they're eternal. They think that they have a limited amount of time to exist and don't recognize that they've always existed and always will. And so there isn't such a strong amount of short-term egotistical thinking when it comes to fixing problems which rarely even get fixed. They just get pushed under the rug. I think to some degree, there's a problem with the way our social media platforms work as well, because it didn't matter how many times I held down the screen and went not interested on an Andrew Tate video. They kept popping up and they kept popping up because the social media algorithm is actually geared towards engagement and hitting you with things that are going to make you go, what? So you stay there for a second, right? And I think that that's largely a problem too. One thing I do like about TikTok is that the algorithm can be very helpful in some ways where it's like, hey, you've been interested in hip exercises. Have you considered your knees? And all of a sudden now there's a video about knees and you're like, sweet, I didn't know that at all. And it helps, you know, because it's it's going based on what you're interested in. But I think at the same token, because there is still largely um, the focus on advertising dollars, that the algorithm is very much geared towards controversial content as well things that keep you engaged and unfortunately because of that the normal free market response on a social on a social media platform would be just everybody hitting not interested and not seeing him anymore right because then he just kind of fades away into the darkness as a result of us voting as amanda said with our interest but at the moment that vote is being outweighed again by free market capitalism it's being outweighed by by the needs of advertisers and the needs of the economy and the fact that our quality of life is is still you know second in line in that in in terms of priority and, and so that that kind of works against us but yeah I, I think that i think there could be a lot of things that could be done to to make this less controversial or at least less complicated right i think a lot of the complication comes from the fact that we're trying to do what's right while making money I think that makes it very difficult to navigate this because we're always going to end up coming back to, but what about the money? And that's where our integrity always fails at some point. And it's because we still prioritize money as, as control, right? And control and certainty and all of the things that go with, with self-identity. And so, so long as we are egotistical, money is going to be here and it's going to be modifying everything we do. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that is a very good point with uh, social media. 
isn't really a representation of a free market because it is very much an algorithm that is specifically controlled in a certain way. The algorithm shifts based on how they want it to shift. Obviously, pretty much always comes down to watch time, which is our attention. But you know, there are tweaks that can be made, videos that can be shown, videos that get suppressed because it isn't actually a free market. So it makes me wonder like a free market response to something that isn't really a free market, like how that would play out. And I think in the broader scheme of things, it would play out that the social media platform wouldn't be used as much, but that and which we see, you know, like social media platforms very much have life cycles. Like Facebook is the oldest right now. I haven't been on Facebook in a very long time besides checking out Dualist Unity Facebook page. Um, and and like one group that I was in uh, for a little bit. And then Instagram and then, you know, TikTok is, is the newest. And they all sort of go through cycles and they need to evolve and be semi-responsive to the feedback that they're getting from the market. So there is, there are market dynamics that are involved in that, but at the same time, like over long-term, and I think that's the thing is, is we have to think of these things as very much longer term situations, which may be beyond any of our current incarnations lifetimes, you know, like that could be how long of term we're thinking, but that makes people super uncomfortable because they don't see themselves again as being eternal. So they're not willing to look beyond when, before they get old, you know, they want things figured out now. And so we're willing to settle and we're not willing to look at things clearly. We're willing to settle with what makes us or for what makes us feel a little bit better in the short term and, and boost our idea of ourself as opposed to figuring out like, what we could actually change because inherently we don't see ourselves as the world. We see ourselves as little individual egotistical identities. And we're always trying to build them and hold on to them and keep them around as, as best as we can and are so focused on how they're being perceived by everyone else that a lot of times we, you know, hold on to ideas that we may not even fully prescribed to because they cause us less conflict in our life. And I think that's one of the things I'm excited about us getting into is some more controversial topics because we don't have so much that we're afraid of anymore. You know, obviously social media platforms, we're at the mercy to a degree of them, but at the same time, we have so much going on outside of those that like if they want to do shit, like it is what it is. But yeah, a lot of people are afraid to voice what they really think because they don't want to be seen in a certain way by other egotistical identities. And it's it's fascinating just to see a world that exists entirely in illusion that they believe to be the truth. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the danger of, of deplatforming is the fact that what happened with Andrew Tate and, and even Trump was they just went to their own social media network where now they're in an echo chamber where nobody's questioning them, right? So what's the chances of somebody going in, in a, with a questioning attitude, finding any traction whatsoever in a conversation, almost nothing and no support, which means that 
they're not going to likely leave a comment at all. And so Tate, who wants to be self-validated all the time, is going to find that's exactly all he's hearing all the time, which is going to make him more motivated. Whereas as if, you know, whereas if we had the opportunity to challenge him, be skeptical and talk about it in a public forum, then at the very least, even though he may never change his mind, and I'm not going to say he will never change his mind because everybody changes, man. I'm not going to say that he lacks the capacity to have a moment of insight and humility because we all do. But more importantly, very much like we were talking about uh, my habit of going back and forth with people in the comments section on our, our TikTok videos or Instagram videos, it's the people watching the conversation that matter. It's not just him. It's everybody watching that conversation because while he may not get your point, somebody else may go, oh, that's a good point. I never actually thought about that. And I've been following him this whole time without ever thinking about that. That's, that changes my considerations. That's the point, right? And God knows I don't trust people in the, in the mainstream media to ask questions that dig to the heart of egotism because they're based in egotism. So that's the other problem, right? So I'm glad we covered that quickly. I wanted to say that uh, I'm well aware of how excited you are to get into, into some controversial shit. I was talking to Melissa about that earlier today. I'm like, I don't know what I've signed up for here, but Andrew seems very excited. Um, I, am, I, am, I am likewise excited, but I am also very aware of sensitivity. We are getting into this with a degree of empathy, and it's important that we keep that in mind as we get into these controversial topics, because it's very easy to get into an opinion and get lost in that opinion. The opinion is not the important part. It's the clarity that helps the opinion come to be and then gets questioned again. So we tear it all down and start over again. Like that process is the point. And I want everybody to know as much as we're going to start getting into some more dicey conversations. The intention from season one, episode one is no different. We are not trying to settle on an answer. It's the process of looking at all the considerations that allows us to act with intelligence moving forward. That's what we have faith in. But we can't do that without questioning. We can't do that without looking at it. We can't do that without unfortunately getting into conversations that if somebody just catches a small bit and judges it without looking at the whole context is likely going to piss someone off. And that's okay, because God knows I pissed off a lot, a lot of people in my life, and I'm, I'm okay with that, because I know what my intentions are. That all said, we have a comment here I wanted to get to, and it was, where to go, where, where to go? It was, uh, can you please explain how to let go of limiting beliefs? Okay, so I want to address this one really quickly. This is the easiest way to be in the process of letting go of all of your limiting beliefs. All of your beliefs are limiting. Uh, there it is. I like it. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into that in a sec. But I did just want to, um, regarding the controversial stuff and everything. And I think one of the best parts about all of it is sort of the, the root of everything that we do, which is questioning our idea of ourselves and not holding on to our idea of ourselves, which is built upon opinions and whatnot. So as much as we may get into some, some stuff, we're not holding on to it so closely. And I think that will allow us to shift. And, you know, when someone fires back and makes a great point about something, you're like, that's a fantastic point. I'm going to reconsider 
and I'm going to shift and I'm going to change. And it, it brings about something I was just thinking about regarding our idea of ourselves and investing in our idea of ourselves and how it plays into the sunk cost fallacy. And because so often with people like Tate or Trump or super egotistical people, they will invest more and more in the idea of themselves. And uh, Dr. Leo Marvin um, in the movie, What About Bob, which we just watched, that'll, we're doing movie reviews now. So that'll be, that'll be out um, at some point this week. And so they all, you could see in his progression, deepening into the idea of himself. And through that, you're less and less willing to change because you're so heavily invested in that idea that changing becomes this sort of sunk cost fallacy. Like you've invested so much time, so much energy, so many ideas and and whatnot into this idea that you think that if you change, you'll be losing all of that investment. Whereas if you loosely hold on to any idea of yourself, you're willing to change, you know, at the drop of a hat because there is no solid idea of yourself that you're holding on to. So it actually allows you to shift and change and flow with new conversations and new evidence that's provided and whatnot. Like we're very much not holding on to anything we say as truth. And people will say, well, you know, I have my beliefs, you have your beliefs. And it's like, no, we don't. <laughs> we do not have beliefs. We do not hold on to things. I'm here now. That's the extent. That's as far as it'll go. Beyond I'm that, sure what that means. Exactly. Whatever the fuck that means, whatever that statement is, it's just words at the end of the day. But to even say that I'm a human, that I'm that I'm Andrew, like it's very much questionable. That might be one of the most questionable things that I've ever heard. <laughs> um, but so as you as you hold on, as you deepen into the ideas, it, it becomes a sort of investment. And I think people get caught up in that sunk cost fallacy and they aren't willing to shift and change to the point that we see changing your opinion as a weakness. And it's one of the biggest strengths you can ever have, the willingness to be super high and mighty on an opinion and then be like, you know what? I was I was wrong or there's new things that come out and I have a different opinion now. But people, because we fear change and uncertainty and like discomfort, we think that someone else changing their opinion or changing their personality or whatever it may be that was never actually solid to begin with. And our idea of them was also not them ever. We get uncomfortable. And so we push back when people begin to change and think differently and, and change their beliefs or thought patterns or whatnot, because it changes our environment. And that makes us dis uncomfortable. That makes us uncertain about our reality. And that's what we try and avoid like the plague is that uncertainty. But going back to uh, limiting <laughs> limiting beliefs, getting back in, I just wanted to uh, toss that stuff in there with investment and some cost fallacy. Um, yeah, limiting beliefs, That I like that, that any belief you hold on to is limiting. And a lot of times we'll get caught up in thinking, oh, well, if I don't believe this, I must believe this. If I have all these negative beliefs, I need to start having positive beliefs. And it's like, oh, it's belief. It's the root of it that no one wants to look at because we live based on illusions, based on ideas, based on concepts. We don't recognize that it, the, the belief itself is the issue. It's not about having more positive, more positive beliefs. It's not because 
if you say I have these limiting beliefs, usually people portray that in a negative light. They're like, I don't think I'm good at this. I think negatively about this. I don't respond to people well. I'm not confident. We think of those as limiting beliefs. But the funny thing is saying I'm super confident. I'm a great speaker. I'm an amazing you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. Those are also limiting beliefs because they're beliefs. The opposite of a limited belief is an unlimited belief, not another positive belief, but limiting beliefs always get this, gets this negative connotation. And so we think we have to counteract that with positive beliefs, but recognize it's, it's limited beliefs is the term. So any belief as Ray said is limiting is limited. The opposite of limited is unlimited, which means no belief. An unlimited belief is like an oxymoron. That's not a thing. Le belief is limited. So you want to you wanna end the limiting beliefs that you have about yourself, recognize that you don't know. There, there are no beliefs that could possibly define you. And as some of the, you should check out some of Ray's most recent uh, clips on his on his social media because he talks a lot about recognizing that you can question those things, and the more you question them, the more actions you take, despite all of the previous actions that you've ever taken and all of the patterns that you got you've gotten into in your life. Even if you make a tiny little shift, it allows you to experience an entirely new environment, and through that new environment, you see new possibilities, and all of a sudden, those limited beliefs you see other options. And they aren't the only things you're seeing anymore. And you begin to shift. You begin to change just by taking the littlest different approach to something, make the, making the littlest different change in, in your environment, in your decision-making, in the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Changes everything. And they snowball upon themselves and, and build momentum out of that pit that you feel like you're in. Nicely said. Yeah, it's... It's so important to just recognize that whatever it is you're holding on to, it's probably going to do you more damage than good as long as you're holding on to it. And I'll say this admittedly, and this is something that I, I don't think we've ever gotten into, but um, so when the transgender conversation started happening, I found myself in the odd position of being on the opposite side to society. And normally, I'm about as liberal as it gets. Like I'm about as, as accepting as could possibly be, but I was really having a problem with this because I've never considered gender to be self-defining. And it's because I, I grew up with all kinds of toxic, toxically male people that immediately I'm like, that's the dumbest idea. Being a man's like this. Nah, that seems really weird. You know? And, and so to me, it was just, it's biological. That's all it is. It doesn't, it doesn't define you or how you dress or how you act or who you are or anything. It's just so the doctor can go check and solve that part of the, the exam with relative ease. And, and to me, that's all it was. And so all of a sudden now, this idea that gender is a social contract, a construct gets introduced. And my brain just went batshit crazy. I'm just like, I don't understand this. I don't understand this at all because it equated to me saying I'm Batman and then expecting you to call me Bruce Wayne, or I'm sorry, not to call me Bruce Wayne, because that's the secret. Just call me Batman. Right? But the point is, is that I, I would have had these expectations of you living up to something that I'm holding on to that is only for my purpose. I couldn't rationalize that. I was having the hardest time. And then I ended up getting to know some trans people 
which I found really interesting because I did know some trans people back in Toronto years and years and years ago before they were called trans people. That was just who they were, right? And because I never held on to the idea like a male is this, it never really dawned on me that they should have another label, right? And so I was really having problems with that. But then I started recognizing where this is coming from and it's coming from the very same mechanism that made those toxically male individuals cling to the idea of male. It's the very same thing. Nothing has changed. We are still holding on to an idea and trying to use that to define ourselves and give us some guidelines as to who we are and what, what lane we're in. It's just as bad. It's just as dangerous. And we don't want to address it that way, but at least seeing it that way, being able to question myself and go, hold on. I don't like how I'm seeing this. Like, I don't like the conflict I'm having with this because I couldn't understand it. I had to question myself over and over and over again until finally I'm like, right, okay, now I see the person and what they're doing rather than the label and what they want me to think it means. And that's always the case, right? That's always the case. But just like, what about Bob, right? Where he was seeing Dr. Marvin in a certain way, it made it impossible for him to relate to that person and vice versa because they were holding on to ideas of themselves that made it impossible for them to bridge that gap. And that is the biggest problem I see with holding on to gender identity. It's just another identity. It doesn't matter what that identity is based on. It's just another fiction. It doesn't define you because you can change. But if you're holding on to an idea and saying, this is me, then you're locking yourself in a box. And you're welcome to do that. You can do that. I'm not judging you for doing that, but you should at least be aware that that's what you're doing. You should at least spend some time considering the long-term impact of what you are committing to because you're committing to conflict with reality. That's it. As long as you double down on a fiction and define yourself by it, there is always going to be something that comes along that threatens it, always. Okay? Unless there's nothing to threaten, in which case you are fluid and able to change all the time. And isn't that exactly what trans is supposed to mean? That you're in transition all the time? So you're never holding on to one thing ever? See, to me, that makes that's way more progressive than just changing what we call ourselves, is letting go of the idea that it means anything. And it took me a long time to, to rationalize that because I, I couldn't figure it out. You have to question yourself because often if you're having a problem, if you're having a conflict, it's because you're holding on to an idea or you just aren't understand where somebody else is coming from because they value an idea that you never did. In which case you have to question yourself again. And so I, I just wanted to share that because it's kind of a personal story of how I've progressed in my perception of what is happening to eventually recognize, shit, it's the same fucking game that we've been playing and we're still suffering for it just looking for a way to feel better but just like religion leaving one and jumping into another doesn't fix the problem you have to identify the problem which is the fiction at the core of it so i just wanted to share that quickly no that's that's awesome i i think it's it's funny too because when i bring up things about you know this conversation or religion and i'll get responses a lot of times like how do you know that's not what's best for them. Like, you don't know what's best for them. And you're right. I don't, but I can see the consequences that it's creating for them, the difficulties in their life that holding on to this idea 
is creating because the test is anyone saying anything, do you get offended by it? You're creating conflict for yourself in that. Like, it's a pretty fucking easy test. Like, do you get offended when people question it or don't meet your expectations? And it's the same thing. It's just so many expectations. And it's talked about a lot. Like, it's a big stoic thing is, is don't have any expectations and you won't be disappointed ever. Like, no expectations, no disappointment. And therefore, less conflict and suffering. And so we're creating all of these expectations for everyone else that we don't have to be doing. Like we can experience the things that we're experiencing, but to expect everyone else to abide by your idea of the right way to be or the right way to act or the right way to respond or the right way to refer to them is insanity. It's fucking crazy to think that everyone should cater to you. It's the most egotistical way of living that you possibly could think that you decide something and everyone else in all of society should cater to that little belief and that idea. And I'm really curious what Ray's thinking right now. (laughs) Because, and this used to be one of my biggest beefs when I was going through the dating scene was this constant expectation, again, based on gender stereotypes that you have to perform a certain way with your date, right? Always found that really interesting. Like, oh, you got to open the door for me. Even if I'm an absolute dick, right? Like you got to go first, you got chivalry, it's not dead. Even if I treat you like a piece of shit, right? And it's the same thing, it's all it's expectation, right? When I first met Melissa and, and we started hanging out and we started dating and she immediately, she's like, well, you know, aren't you my boyfriend? Aren't you supposed to be like getting me flowers and take me to nice restaurants? And I'm like, you sound like you have an expectation that you should meet somewhere else. Because I'm not here to fulfill a role. I'm here living my life. If you'd like to join me while I live my life, I'm more than happy to share it with you. But that doesn't mean I'm suddenly dancing to another tune just because somebody says I should. More importantly, just because a bunch of fucking dead people thought I should. Right. And that's the problem is that a lot of this culture a lot of these these habits come from generations where it didn't even make sense then but they were uptight and egotistical and trying to be rich right because they were judged for being poor because they lived in a system that was unfortunately making most people poor like it always has so we have all of these habits and expectations based on this hierarchical structure of seeing ourselves and we just keep doing it we just keep going through the motions Right. Well, why? Well, it's familiar. My parents did that. My parents and their parents did that. Who gives a shit? Really? If it doesn't make any sense, stop doing it. Right. But then what are we threatening? Well, we're threatening our legacy. We're threatening our family line. We're threatening the culture. We're threatening everything we've ever known. Good. Because I don't know if you've noticed, it's not doing very much in terms of helping our quality of life. All it's doing is making us feel more secure because we know what we did last year. So we're going to do it again this year. And that's, that's how we stagnate. That's how a a pool of clean running water turns into a moldy fucking puddle. And does that sound like a good visual for what we want humanity to be? No. Yeah, and it shows how lazy we are, too. Like, Because taking the easy way out is just going based on what everyone else has ever done. So it's really just so fucking lazy to continue living in the way that we always have and just, you know, 
issues come up, like, yeah, that's been a consequence to this mentality. And it's just like, what, what consequence? What are you talking about? We just fucking close our eyes. Like, God damn, it's, it's fascinating. And with the expectations, I love talking about this because it's a lot of fun. And, and because a lot of pushback I get is in talking about religion and, you know, sometimes I poke fun at it because it is, it's fucking ridiculous. Really? It's absurd. It really is when you're able to take a clear look at it. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And when I start going on a rant like that, people get super uncomfortable. And they're like, what? No, it's it. How do you how do you know? How do you know? You don't know anything just like any of us. I'm like, yeah, I'm not the one settling on answers. I'm the one questioning all of them. It's like, OK, well, I have my beliefs and you have yours. No, I don't. I don't. And so when I'll, when I'll say that I'll get pushback and be like, you know, you, you don't know, like they, it may work for them, whatever. And it really is the, the pushback that I get is from a expectation that you shouldn't question beliefs that you shouldn't act in a certain way. I'm not expecting anyone to do anything. I'm just pointing out the absurdity. It's not personal. It's not personal at all. I'm just pointing out you're believing in made up bullshit. Yeah, but don't talk about religion or politics. Exactly. Because God knows we might grow. And that's the same thing. That's the laziness coming up again. It's like, hmm, we could talk about this. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult. Or we could not. And then everything's just going to stay the same and get significantly worse because we're not talking about it. That's what it comes down to is be, the the shifts and change changes that could be possible are only ever possible through talking about it, through having conversations. That's always been for all of eternity how things have shifted and changed and things have happened is people questioning the status quo, being like, hey, maybe there's a better way we could do this. They're like, oh, yeah, what's that? It's like, well, I don't have an answer right now, but. I can see the consequences of this bullshit that we're doing. It's like, well, yeah, that, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm just going to keep doing this and, and try and get to the top of this shit pile. Like, oh my God, like the, the laziness mixed with the expectations is absolutely fascinating that we have in our society right now. <laughs> I wanted to read this comment because I love it. Um, I fall under the trans umbrella, but I don't define myself by that identity. I just see it as another way to customize my avatar and express myself. I'm content with my reproductive organs, but I have a preference with the way I'm perceived and present myself. I'm curious in your opinions of it. Would you say that I'm still holding on to identity and belief? I, I think that identifying as, as trans is, is, is just like identifying as male. I, I don't think that there's any difference. I, I, I think that people are going to perceive a difference based on what they perceive about themselves, what they need to perceive about themselves, right? So if you were to say, hey, I'm trans, I, I would honestly, I would give you a blank stare because I would take me a second to realize that means something, right? Because it doesn't. It is, as far as I'm concerned, all you've done is kind of given me a clue as to how you see yourself. And, and that's just fine. But the danger is in holding on to that. The danger would be like, if I said, hey, man, how's it going? And anyway, I'm not, that's not how I identify. And then you ended up in conflict and, and, and so on and so forth. That would be, that's the danger. And, and it's not like, that's a bad thing necessarily, but it is going to continue to cause frustration and tension and stress and resent between you and I based on a concept. 
that's it. Right. So to me, it's like any other label, use it, have fun with it. Fuck, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, as far as I'm concerned, this is a, this is our game, man. We can do whatever we want, but it's how serious we take it. Like whether or not it's worth tearing ourselves apart, whether or not it's worth dividing ourselves. And I think that it's such a shame because I, I truly believe the entire intention behind identifying as trans is to blur those lines is to bring us closer together, to get, to get rid of that false dichotomy. So that way we can all recognize that we're not these fucking labels, right? And I think that's the point. And it gets, it gets lost in egotism, right? Where there's lots of people who are like, yeah, that is the point. That's exactly what I want. I just want, I just want to be myself and have other people go, yeah, you're not an idea. Be whatever you want to be. That's beautiful. But just as much as there are people who see that, there are people who are like, no, this is a label and it's just as important as everybody else's fucking label. And if you don't respect it, you don't respect me. And there's this big fucking thing that happens as a result. And, and it's because of where it's coming from. It's coming from that sense of lack. It's coming from that desperation. It's coming from that idea. Like I just got to hold on to something and this is going to make my life better. And it never does. It never does. So as with any concept, self-concept especially, hold it like a baby bird, right? Be willing to let it go. Don't clutch it, right? Because that's what's going to cause harm to you and the poor bird, right? Like it's not, concepts are not meant to be truth. They're only meant to help communicate a perception that, that we live through or a perception that we're exploring. That's all. And it's meant to change as we do, right? But as soon as you start holding on to it, that's when that conflict happens. That's when all of a sudden you're, you're a metal post in the middle of a river. You're not moving, you're not flowing. And all you're doing is getting hit over and over and over again, because you're not willing to adapt. Right? So that's it. I don't think there's anything wrong with using a label for yourself. It's just how committed you are to it being the truth. Absolutely. I think that's a really important thing to point out with any time that we get questions about what someone thinks they should do. We're not giving you an answer. We're not telling you that one thing is a right thing to do. One thing is a wrong thing to do. There is no right or wrong thing to do. It comes down to are you willing to experience the consequences that may come from holding on to this idea, this illusion, this concept as being the truth? So there is no right or wrong way to go about it. If you want to hold on really tightly to a concept, like, it's on you. I'm not going to experience suffering because of the conflict that you're creating. In reality, if someone comes up to you and, and calls you, you know, the wrong thing based on your own preferences for how you would like to be called, like you're the one experiencing the con consequences of holding on so tightly. So it's not, there is no right or wrong. And that's the thing in, in all of these conversations that I feel like we would benefit from shifting away from the black and white right or wrong type mentality. Like, oh, this is the right way to do things. And this is this is the wrong way to do things. Like there's nuance to everything. And it really comes down to your experience. Like, are you willing to experience the potential consequences of holding on to it? And if so, like have at it, continue to do so. But it goes for really anything that we that we experience, be it, you know, a way that we label ourselves, be it an opinion, be it anything like for people with with opinions that have very strong opinions that becomes a sort of identity they think that this is the right way to do things and so they go throughout the entire world basically trying to push everyone to believe their opinion and and explain their opinion and validate their opinion and it's not that it's right or wrong but 
they're going to experience a lot of suffering along the way. And if they keep pushing that opinion and they say they're not experiencing suffering, like, all right, you know, go for it. It's not, it's not a right or a wrong way of existing because there is no right or wrong way. It comes down to you. It comes down to your experience and, and what you're willing to go through in your life. It's all it ever is. Yeah. And if we knew that collectively, if that was actually something that we practiced, this wouldn't be such an issue, right? Like that's the whole point is the reason it's so difficult to change your label and change your perception of yourself is because everybody else is so fucking rigid, right? And it's because we've been rigid for so very long. And so there's this, again, this transition period where we're letting go of, of this fiction. We're letting go of the need to define ourselves in such rigid terms. And, and again, that idea of safety in numbers, which again is something that unfortunately the, the trans movement is kind of bouncing between. You've got on the one hand, people who are like, yeah, I'm fine being me. And then there's other people who's like, I want to be part of this community. And that becomes self-defining safety in numbers again. So all of a sudden there's that, that identity that starts to fuck with us. Right. So no, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of this. It's just, it takes time for us to change our mind collectively. The outliers always lead the pack and they're always judged as a result of doing so. And that's, that's what's happening. But the outliers are a mixed bag between people who have been driven to the into those, into the, into the extreme based on their life versus people who have willed themselves there based on, on their intention to be free. Right. And everybody on that extreme end has a different reason to be there. And unfortunately, we haven't figured that out yet. We haven't figured out that that's the direction we're going in. We're still looking at the reasons that we're going there. And what's funny is that society is desperately trying to use its old bag of tricks to deal with this new mentality. Oh, trans people are, are, are valuable and, and mean just as much as everybody else. Like, no shit. Really? Did we really need to go there? Like human rights, they're still human. Nothing's really fucking changed at all. But now all of a sudden it's like, if you're dead naming him, that's a crime. Holy fucking shit. What? Like that, that's that, like, if I use the wrong pronoun, that's a crime. That's assault just because I didn't understand. Like, are we, are we in any way trying to encourage a dialogue or understanding or empathy or anything? Because I guarantee you, there are a shit ton of people out there that if you tell them they use the wrong pronoun, it's a crime. They're going to go out of their way to use that wrong pronoun. And they should, because you're oppressing them. This is the problem with the system. It doesn't understand. Force doesn't work. We're an organic being. We have to move organically. It's very much like the difference between the intelligence that it takes to build a house with an architect versus the intelligence at play when a forest forms, right? The intelligence at play is adapting to each and everything as it's growing. Whereas the intelligence that builds a house looks at it in the future and says it's going to be this and there's no adaptation because it's just a set plan it's not intelligence in motion right and so that's the point is that if we're going to live as anything as a species on this planet it's intelligence in motion we have to start acting as the organic being that we've always been but if you take a plane and you fly over North America, you can tell real quick that we're very far removed from that because the whole thing looks like a fucking circuit board. It looks like the inside of a computer. There's no fluidity. There's no flow. We've mowed down everything to flat gradations or straight lines. And then we wonder why nature's taking a shit fit 
because we've removed all of the organic growth in it. We've removed all of the things that keep it in equilibrium. Like it's so funny to me in the prairies or, or down in Tornado Alley in the States. Why are we getting so many tornadoes? Because you cut down all the fucking trees. That's going to make a difference. Right. But we don't look at that. We don't look at the consequences of what we do. We just look at the benefit of what we're doing in the short term. And then the consequence comes along later. Don't worry. We have control. We'll fix that. So we keep taking snowballs that are falling down the hill and throwing them back up the hill, not expecting the avalanche. Like that's how fucking blind we are. But in order to flow, Ray, I need faith in myself. And that's scary. Like that's really what it comes down to. It's this idea of control versus flow. Like in order to flow, you need faith in yourself. You need to be willing to not know what's coming next, but look around with clarity and see what's happening right now. And just like the idea of ourself not being here now, it's always fixated in the past or, you know, worried about the future or the future idea of ourself, depression, anxiety, fear, worry, all of those things are never here now. And flow is only ever here now. It's always here now. And so in order to be able to flow, we have to let go of the idea of ourselves in recognizing that if we don't know what to do next, it's not going to impact us because we're going to be there in it as it, as that moment shifting and expanding and growing and flowing with all of it. But as long as we're holding on to the solution of ourselves, we can't flow because if God forbid something happens, you know, we do something wrong or, or stumble on our words or, or say the wrong thing, like it's going to impact the idea of ourself that we believe is us. So, so much of this, like with everything, like with recognizing unity, like with seeing things clearly, it has to be through letting go of the idea of you as being the truth. Like it, it always comes down to that. Um, and I had a question. What is a, what is dead name? What does that mean? So using your old name when you've transitioned uh, or, or when you've identified as, as transgender, typically you rename yourself according to the gender that right. you are always ends up being some, you know, new agey and out of, out of a science fiction book often is the case, which is fine. I mean, it's cool. It just kind of goes with the idea of like I'm reinventing myself, which is just fine. But yeah, the idea of accidentally using their old name. And this happens in schools a lot where they're reading off literally the, the list of birth names and they're saying like, you know, David, and then it's like, that's not my name. And then you're dead naming me. And then that, that teacher gets fired. Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, no, it's, it's getting to the point now where that is the case. I wanted to read this quickly in response to the person who actually asked the question. They just said, that makes sense. I don't take any offense when people misgender me, nor do I take it too seriously. I've grappled with this question for some time. Thank you guys. I really appreciate your response. Uh, the wrong pronoun thing being a crime is too far in my opinion. And I really wanted to say that I appreciate you bringing it up. I appreciate you entering the dialogue because again, like this is, it's a touchy subject and, and we're trying to get into these conversations with the intention of being empathetic and, and finding that middle ground with everyone, because that's really what the point of this is. I don't want to tell anybody that they're right or wrong. I just don't want them to walk into a wall, not understanding that it's there. Right. And, and so that's, that's really it. It's, it's really coming from a place where it's like, there's no judgment. I just want to make sure you're okay. Right. And so that's very much where we're trying to come across or where we're trying to come from. And I just wanted to say, I really appreciate you having the courage 
to even venture into the comments section and talk to us about this because again it's 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 a touchy subject and i i appreciate you being here um i did want to mention very quickly that we are going to be wrapping up here on this second ep episode of dualistic unity raw um this will be available as a podcast episode later in the week so you can uh, watch it or download it there. You can listen to it or download it there, or you can watch it on YouTube or Twitter or any of our social media accounts after the fact. We will be continuing at the top of the hour, so in approximately 35 minutes on Patreon, where you can actually be on the screen with us talking back and forth. If you have questions, you can raise your hand, we'll address you. You can share your stories, your victories, your challenges with us. It's a great time. We do it as often as we can. I mean, at the moment, I think we have 15 hours of discussions every week starting this season. So we really want to connect with everyone. If you have the opportunity to join us, we'd love to see you at patreon.com slash dualistic unity. Yeah, I love, love the Patreon chats. Those are always a ton of fun to be able to just openly discuss things in person. It's I, I like it so much more than just having to look in a chat and be like, oh, what is this person asking? Like being able to actually have legitimate conversations. But going back, um, I also appreciate you bringing up these questions and they are touchy subjects and we do our best to dance around them. And we have no ill intent whatsoever by any way, shape or form, like any time we talk about these topics, be it, you know, the trans movement or pronouns or bigotry or racism and, and talking about them, we're not trying to make anyone frustrated or uncomfortable. We're, we're doing our best to keep everyone's best interest in mind and the long-term understanding of consequences that will be experienced from holding on to identity as truth. Like that's all it ever is. Like we are as much as it's, you know, fun to rock boats, like we were talking about before and people who hold on to illusions very tightly, be it in any way, shape or form, not the least of which being religion, one of my favorite boats to rock. But even with religion, like when I've had the time to explain things in depth to people in my life who get frustrated when I post about things, they're like, oh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense because I'm able to explain it from a point of view that's like, I'm not trying to be hostile. It's just sometimes it comes off that way, but I'm really not trying to be. Sometimes to cut through bullshit, you just have to be kind of stern and get riled up sometimes, which I do because I'm fucking human too. Like everything I do isn't perfect. <laughs> like a lot of the shit I do, I look back and I'm like, yeah, I probably could have could have done that a little bit differently, could have portrayed it in a little bit different way, but you learn from it and you grow from it and you don't beat yourself up for it. You just move forward and change and shift and do it differently next time. There's no use in dwelling on it because all that does is reinforce to you that you're the type of person who does that in the first place and that it's probably going to repeat itself. And that's how it goes. And, and so it goes in reality. But even you know, with any of these topics, even religion, like we're really not trying to our, our initial, like our primary reasoning is never to make anyone frustrated or angry. It's just to allow them to recognize the consequence in holding on to it. The first consequence being getting frustrated and angry and uncomfortable when someone talks about a certain thing that goes against or, or spits in the face of what you believe and hold on to be the truth. Like our, our primary reasoning for any of it 
is never with any ill intention whatsoever. It's we recognize that that's us doing that, trying to help ourselves, literally help ourselves because parts of ourselves are very much caught up in illusions and they believe it to be the truth. And through those illusions, they are unable to recognize that we are them. And that's another primary consequence is the division that it creates through holding on to identity. All of the identities that we talk about, you know, race, gender identity, religious identity, all of it cuts, cuts, cuts you off from recognizing the wholeness and completeness and eternity that you are, the infiniteness that you are. And, and without all of those concepts and beliefs and ideas and stories that you hold on to, there isn't so much division. There isn't so much of an idea of you that could get offended. You experience less consequence through recognizing that, oh, all of these things I've been holding on to aren't actually the truth. Oh, all of these things that I thought were making me so much more secure were actually making me inherently insecure. And, oh, I don't actually have to hold on to them. Oh, there is another way to live. Oh, Andrew and Ray are just like talking about this stuff that there is another way to live. There's another opportunity. If we're doing anything, we're doing our best to to show you that there's another way to live, not even tell you, but show you there is another way to exist that doesn't involve belief and doesn't involve so much goddamn identity, except for when it's convenient. Being able to say, hey, Ray, as opposed to, hey, you, that's way more convenient. And that's all it ever needs to be is a convenient sound that comes out of this mouth. <laughs> it's an option. That's it. Yeah. We're not trying to convince you to be in the mentality that we're exploring because we don't need to. Frankly, I'm free. You can do what you want. <laughs> right? It's a great line uh, in a movie. I can't remember what it was. It's kind of a futuristic movie with Ron Perlman. Anyway, um, there was this line where he, he's like this, he's a priest and, and he knows that this apocalypse is coming and, and it's because they have this history book and they know this cycle thing anyway. And the guy's like, well, what if I don't share your beliefs? And his response was, my beliefs don't require you to. <laughs> Which I thought was great because <laughs> that, that's it. Like we don't have any beliefs, so there's nothing for us to defend. So there's really nothing for us to convince you of, except that you can also live in a state where you don't have to defend anything. Which is kind of nice, right? As an option. Um, I also wanted to say, that while I will enthusiastically throw myself in the face of religion itself, I won't do that to a religious person. Religion as a structure is fucked and deserves, and deserves to be burnt to the ground, right? But people clinging to religion are people looking for some degree of certainty or looking for some degree of value and some degree of a structure to live by something that tells them everything's going to be okay and that people aren't going to come and murder you and take all your shit because you know there's a structure of what's good and bad and there's a god that's making sure all that shit has balance and, and so there's there's a reason they believe there's a lot of reasons they believe and it's not it's not their fault like we we've grown up in the last several hundred years thousand years or more going through this egotistical cycle of very much looking to god like a parent figure right? We're just now becoming adults. We're growing into our divinity, if you want to look at it that way, right? But it, it, it takes time. And so while I will happily dance around the Vatican when it burns to the ground, what I'm saying is, is that people themselves are important. Religion's not. I'll tackle that shit all day long. 
And I just wanted to say very quickly, because I know we've never mentioned this on the show formally, but at some point, as this continues to grow, Dualistic Unity is going to visit the Vatican. And that's going to be a fun video episode. Hell yeah. Oh, I could see us doing some sort of segment where we prop a, prop a table up right in front in that little square they got there with some outlandish statement on it, like a change my mind type setup. Oh, uh, that would be a lot of fun. But yeah, it's it's funny because people get offended when you spit in the face of religion. I I like that term. It's it's kind of aggressive, but when you uh severely question a certain mentality or a certain ideology or a certain concept and because they attach their identity to it, they get offended. And so they confuse you coming at this concept that isn't them as you coming at them, which isn't at all what you're doing, but because they are lost in illusion, they see it as you coming at them. But it doesn't mean you are. It doesn't mean we are ever. Just because you believe that you are that doesn't mean that you are and doesn't mean that if someone comes at the concept that you believe to be the truth about you, that you identify with, doesn't mean that we're coming at you. But you're just you just happen to be identifying with it. And so it's it's an important um, distinction to make that I think a lot of people get hung up on because, you know, we believe that concepts are a part of us and and the things we identify as are us. So therefore, it's someone if someone comes at an identity or a concept or a belief, they believe that it's that it's us coming at them or it's someone else coming at them. But it never is just coming at the concept, coming at the ideology. That said, I just want to make it clear that if you are offended, if we have upset you, and you are blaming us for that state of mind, I am more than happy to talk to you as you work your way through that. I think that's the whole point. Like, yeah, we're rocking boats, but we're not leaving after the boats have been rocked. We're still here so we can help talk about why that boat's a rocket, maybe help it find some equilibrium. But the, the whole point is, is that I love you. I love you like I love myself. Your life is as important to me as my life because we are life. There is no division whatsoever. And if it means that you're going to perceive me negatively just so you can experience a little bit more freedom in the long term, fucking go for it. You judge me as much as you want because it's all part of the process of you eventually being free. I am absolutely willing to be the to uh, not the victim, to, to, to be the villain in this case because it's a short-term villainy, right? It's the type of villain that... You look at your teachers growing up and go, why do you have to be such a dick? And then you realize, oh, right, because I was learning shit and I didn't appreciate that. That's the kind of villain that we're willing to be. It's just in the short term, we absolutely expect to be vilified. We absolutely be, expect to be told that you know we're, we're fakes, that we're taking advantage of people, that, that, that we're hateful. And this is all shit I've heard in the last three days. You know, I'm not making this up. This is things, these are things that have actually been said to me recently in the last few days, just commenting to people and saying, you're defending an ego. You're defending an idea. You're causing conflict. You're coming in here trying to validate instead of finding some middle ground. And that's it. Whereas if they come in and they're not doing that, they really are trying to establish a middle ground or a connection. We welcome them with open arms because that's what this is all about. But the rocking of boats is an opportunity for us to grow. And if we're avoiding it, we're not growing as much. 
But in order to do that, somebody has to be willing to let go of what they think of themselves. So that way they can facilitate that. Somebody has to be willing to be perceived negatively. We're more than happy to do that. I've been doing it a long time without anybody asking. So I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, and with rocking boats and change, like discomfort is a prerequisite to change. So if, you, if you're unwilling to change, but you're feeling discomfort, you're going to resist that a lot. Or if you're unwilling to recognize the necessity for discomfort in those shifts, and oftentimes people do resist it because they don't want to change because they think that it makes them more comfortable. But again, that response, that offense that you feel, that discomfort that you feel is the consequence of holding on to that belief. Like it's it's in plain sight right there. And uh, I wanted to uh, read one of the, this was funny from Amanda. Um, on the visit to the Vatican, we should all dress up as Jesus, LOL, the Jesus return tour. Uh, it's so funny with like the, the whole idea of the second coming of Christ. Like because no one actually wants to look at what Jesus was actually saying, they just want to hold on to an idea of, as, as we've started saying more and more, of zombie Jesus that we hold on to because it makes us comfortable. And now we've, we've literally created a whole new look for Jesus. He's a white, shredded hippie guy with great abs hanging up on a cross. It's like, what the fuck have we done like how egotistical are we that we have switched jesus from a middle eastern person who's probably borderline like very dark skin to now this guy who looks like he came straight out of the 70s just off an lsd trip with a surfboard woodstock with with a surfboard like down in san diego like what the hell that is hilarious and there's even people who believe that jesus was in america like in the U.S., which has existed for literally almost no time whatsoever relative to to all of reality. And, and so, yeah, it's just fascinating to think that there could never be a second coming of Christ in the way that Christians believe there to be. The funny thing is the second coming of Christ has always been happening and always will happen. Like it's literally constant perpetually forever for eternity here and now this is the second coming of christ the entire world as you is the second coming still the first coming exactly yeah fuck it a because christ yeah and even to think like two thousand years ago it's just the idea that we hold on to now is all it is it's not even something that happened two thousand years ago it's an idea that we're creating inside of our minds in every single moment that we're holding on to, to make us feel more comfortable and give us a false sense of certainty. That's so funny. If you were to stop looking at people as individuals and like the coming of Christ is really what we're talking about is the awakening of our divine intelligence on a collective level, right? But of course, Jesus, it was all Jesus. It had nothing to do with the people around him having this conversation or the Gnostics or any of those people, right? Like. It, it, and so when we're talking about Christ consciousness, we're talking about the awakening of our intelligence, of our divine connected intelligence. And what better way to put a stopper on that shit than to give it to credit, give the credit to one person. Wow. 
Wow. Because that stops the whole collective. That stops everybody from being in the responsible state to actually make that shit happen. That stops everyone from participating as an equal, which is what brought it about. Wow. Well, that's a hell of an insight. We're going to have to wrap this up there in a couple of minutes just because take a short bathroom break before we start on Patreon. Um, I just wanted to say again, thank you everyone who has joined us for this live stream. Really looking forward to doing these more often. The new schedule is on the website at dualisticunity.com. So if you're curious about when we're going to be on live streaming or when we're going to be on Patreon or when we're going to be live streaming on TikTok and Instagram, which is another thing entirely, we're going to be doing that as well. So you can find all of that on the website. I did want to say quickly that uh, our community Discord is actually connected to this live stream. So there is a live streaming chat section or channel in our Discord, and you can go actually back and forth with everybody who's leaving a comment directly from there. And there's a record of all of the comments that have been left today. So if you wanna read through some of the things that have been said, you can do that. You will find this video on YouTube and Twitter and all of that other stuff. And then tomorrow or the next day, it will be made available as a podcast episode. Is there anything that you would like to cover before we wrap up today, sir? Uh, not particularly. I think with with the creation of the idea of Jesus and holding on to it so tightly, thinking about the collective ego, it's it's like, of course, that's the case. Of course, it's one one dude who recognize, and even with the Holy Trinity, like recognizing that it's all one, three and one, like we can't even understand that because we take division to be the truth. We couldn't even recognize that there's the perception of one that's actually connected to everything. Just like there's the perception of division, the perception of reality or of duality, the illusion of duality, and the reality of unity. Like that's all the the Trinity is representing is that it's it's the collective within or it's the one within the collective as the collective. What it, what is this? The Bible actually says God and Jesus are one. Yeah, exactly. Like the Bible literally says God and Jesus are one. Yet we we take them to be literally different, divided entities. And now we have this father and son thing. Like God came down and banged Mary and out came Jesus. And it's like, oh my God, it's so fascinating. But again, it's, it's necessary. The ego needs that whole storyline to perpetuate itself, to create itself or to keep itself around and create itself in every every single moment and ensure that it's being brought again into every single moment through majority of us. But it can't outrun insight forever. And it knows it. That's why it's trying to double down so hard on control. That's why the system is doubling down so hard on control and fear everywhere, right? Because the alternative is this returning to an organic being that is growing, which unfortunately there is no hierarchy in that, right? So all of those people who are benefiting from the, illus the illusory hierarchy that exists right now, they're not gonna be benefiting for long and they don't even understand what's, what's next. They can't possibly understand what's next because they are so committed to where we've been and, and the continuation of that. So, I mean, imagine here we are seeing a possible future. Here we are witnessing a possible option in terms of how to live. And we are still just forming just whispers of an idea of what's possible. And that's us who have been doing this work. Imagine 
people who have not been doing this work their entire lifetime, people who come from generational wealth, where they've never had to struggle, they've never had to look deep, they have no idea what's coming. So as much as they might be enjoying their, uh, their precipice at the top, it is a shaky one, and it will come down. It's just a matter of time. And luckily, we have eternity. So on that note, we're going to wrap this up here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We will see you again soon at the next live stream. Do keep an eye out for the first Dualistic Unity movie review episode on What About Bob? If you haven't seen that movie, definitely check it out if you can. If not, we will provide an Amazon link where you can buy uh, access to What About Bob, what about Bob through Amazon. Of course, uh, a small percentage of that sale goes to Dualistic Unity, which helps us out. But of course, if you can find the movie for free, do that because that's, that's awesome as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, check that out. It's a fantastic movie, and it was a lot of fun to to watch it for the first time, and then and then chat about it on an episode. So yeah, talk to everyone soon, and looking forward to seeing some of you on Patreon. Thanks.